Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, and welcome to the Super Travel Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, aka Motivational Mark. This is episode, I think, 43. Don't quote me on that. Can't quite access uh, my my uh, account where i could see all the episodes but i'm right now at the luxor airport extremely happy to be out of the luxor jail where i was for the past eight days you talk about a crazy story this is it i uh, probably make this into a couple uh, episode edition so like two parts basically um this is the first part so you know i was leaving luxor and uh, going through security and they check my bag and they find the daggers that I bought while I was in Lebanon and they held me for a few minutes and then um, detained me for eight days because of that. Uh, Throwback to Lebanon a couple days previous, about three days previous, I was in Baalbek exploring the, the ruins there, the amazing ancient Roman and I think even older civilization ruins that were there and I saw a souvenir shop and going to souvenir shops and I do what I usually do I like to check out cool souvenirs like daggers swords whatever whatnot and uh, they had some really cool stuff so actually uh picked out two and they're like oh here take some more take some more one was green one was uh silverish one looked really old uh they were selling them to me for so cheap i didn't realize i didn't think they would be old so i was like oh these look cool so you know i got two and they're like here take more take more they're like here uh five dollars just take this for five dollars and uh i I just i bought ended up with like five they they weren't huge but they're you know pretty decent size Baalbek is in lebanon in case you're wondering it's about two hour drive east uh northeast of beirut take the damascus highway which i drove i rented a car and drove not far from the syrian border i think at one point i was about 10 11 miles from the syrian border you could see it the mountains in the distance and so I bought those souvenirs, and I didn't think anything of it. I asked them, you know, I got the receipt. I asked them if I could take it to Egypt and Tunisia, and they said, okay, yeah, fine, no problem. Uh, need, uh, I come to find out, that's not quite the case. You can't take those into Egypt. So, you know, that night I left for Egypt, got into Luxor after doing a connector in Cairo from Beirut to Cairo to Luxor and I was going through security coming into Luxor and they stopped me at security and they checked the the daggers and you know I had like the the five that I bought and they they said um oh the one guy says oh they're not real they're like 40 or 50 years old so I was kind of relieved because I didn't want like crazy old ancient daggers that were uh relics or antiques you know because i guess they're really strict with that and so i was relieved and so i went and explored luxor i'll talk about luxor another time luxor is amazing it's amazing cairo's got the pyramids but luxor's got it's like the paris of uh the ruins it's got really cool temples and the valley of the kings where all the tombs are and some really cool stuff and so you know, after I explored Luxor, you know, I stayed at the Hilton the last day. It was a really nice place and really reasonably uh, priced. Luxor is a pretty small town with a, bu- with a bunch of villages on the east and west bank of the Nile River. Um, so I'm heading back to the airport and um, I was just cleaning my ear. I got junk in my ear from sitting in jail for eight days. <laughs> it's so, so crazy. Uh, so 
I uh, get to the airport, you know, getting ready to go take a connector to Cairo where I was going to run a race, the Pyramid 6K, and then the next day I head to Tunisia to do a 10K. And uh, they stopped me from the daggers again. I was like, oh, this is becoming a hassle. I'm just going to, I don't know, just not take them or get rid of them. And they held me, and I was standing there getting nervous because I was getting ready to miss my flight. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to miss my flight. And uh, they, they keep calling and, you know, they do like these little test scrapes to, to see if they're real. And, uh, and then he says, you know, I ask him, oh, man, I'm going to miss my flight. Can I check in or something? And he goes, sit down and shut up. I was like, all right, shit's getting real right now. That usually they're nice, but he says sit down and shut up. I better sit down and shut up. So that's exactly what I do. I sit down and shut up and... I uh, just sit there for, you know, basically a long time. I don't know, an hour, two hours. And they call, they test all the daggers. And at one point, they take me in the back office. This is airport security. They take me to the back office, and I I have to take my picture, like a mugshot with all five daggers laid out in front of me. They're cleaning the table beforehand. I was like, oh, no, they're going to lay me down, torture me, uh, waterboard me, electrocute me, or, or something. But no, they just cleaned the table to put the, the daggers. Then I sat behind them and they took my picture. Uh, it wasn't very a happy picture because I had no idea what about to, was going to happen to me. Um, so, yeah, I didn't quite smile. It was kind of in between a frown and a smile. And after that took place, I went down to the criminal investigation de- department after uh, the airport security wrote their um, report and that took that that itself probably took an hour or two and then i went to the criminal investigation department i was escorted everywhere escorted there everyone was really nice it's not like you know i was a a criminal and did anything purposely wrong i had no idea that this stuff wasn't allowed or even if they i had no idea they were real bought five for such a cheap price like a 100 bucks that you know i bought a replica for a small one maybe close to the same size in greece for like 200 dollars you know before when i was in athens or up there near uh near thermopylae so I was like, there's no way these could be real. And, and come to find out that the preliminary tests at least showed that they quite possibly were. And went to the criminal investigation department. And that is where I sat for a really long time. I, f- I first got to the airport at 8 a.m. Uh, in the x-ray machine, airport security. And then went to the airport criminal investigation department where they wrote tons of paperwork handwritten asked me a bunch of questions and they, they asked me a bunch of questions before they just kept asking me same stuff i told them i showed them the receipt where i got it in lebanon Baalbek, lebanon and um that continued for a while i still had access to my phone which was pretty nice and i could email and message people and tell them what's going on and you know that sort of stuff and uh they asked me the story i just kept telling them the same thing it's three three guys three guys actually yeah one was a balding guy with a big mustache another was a younger looking guy with a vest a red shirt and they were both smoking like chimneys so you you know i didn't want to be like no quit smoking in front of me i just you know accepted the fact that you know smoking was going to be in my smoke was going to be in my face and that was pretty much how it was the whole eight days on and off uh smoke everywhere you just accept it deal with it you can't complain and 
it's funny as one guy is kind of kind of goofy i mean in a good way a fun way and he was really fun he was the sharif i guess he called himself and there's secret police that they don't wear uniforms he says because that way they could watch people better which is really fascinating he was joking around with me they're really fun and it got me tea it's just really friendly amazing warm people even even though all this is going down the whole time i you know didn't feel i did feel unsafe i'm not gonna lie but i felt welcomed most of the time in general and that was such a warm part of the egyptian culture and people that i really loved even even after eight days in, in the, the jail and so he's telling me uh the he's a taller guy you know funny he's telling me about he he dove to 65 meters down and this is relayed to me through an interpreter who works at the airport uh i think he's like the control manager or, or something and he he was really nice and friendly and after that uh right around 5 p.m i want to say is when they took me in a van to the local jail in luxor after all that took place and I get to the jail and now I'm a little scared. They uh, take my passport, or they already had my passport. They take all the, the papers that the criminal investigation department at the airport uh, were writing. There are tons and tons of paperwork, all handwritten too. There's, um, they don't do it on computers and that sort of stuff. It's all tedious handwritten stuff. I mean like pages and pages of mine and other stuff were stacked on the desk when I watched them you know write it up and and then the evidence the daggers was in a special sealed um, envelope big large envelope that was had this uh, seal on the back of it to close it and I get there and I'm a little uh, nervous now going into the jail but I still just fall and, and do what I'm told to do and you know I walk into the jail and uh there's like a counter and then to the left there's a little holding tank with you know cell with a bunch of people in there and you know i, I just smile wave say hello everyone's real curious about it. i feel like a movie star almost but not in a, so much of a good way here and i uh what i do i told him my name and checked in there i don't remember exactly uh but there was a bunch of people working there and I sit on a bench. I, I just do what I'm told and I sit on a bench in the back and, and then wait. And then eventually they line up all the people in the cell, handcuff them and I, uh, I get up and I join them and I'm handcuffed. Now, now I'm handcuffed. I still have my two bags that I have. The, this whole time I'm holding my bags. Um, backpack and a front smaller pack, you know, travel pack that I, that I uh, that I use when I travel. And now I'm handcuffed to two guys next to me. Usually they, they handcuff everyone, two people, but since I'm the odd man out, they handcuffed me to two people. So there's three of us. Now I'm like, that's when my heart sank. I'm like, all right, shit's really getting real now. This is not good. You don't want to be handcuffed in Egypt. In, you just don't in Luxor, anywhere, anywhere in general for that matter. When you're handcuffed, you're like, all right. And then it's it's nighttime. It's about 6, I want to say 6 p.m. or a little after. And they walk us down the stairs, a uh, short walk to armored vehicle. And we all get in. It's com completely dark in the vehicle. You could see, you can barely see the, the faces of people and um, handcuffs sitting there like, oh, damn. What do these people look like? Am I going to have to defend myself? And, you know, what's going on? 
and I'm handcuffed uh, to a nice guy. I don't remember his exact name, but he's a nice guy. He says he's in there for, he likes to drink too much. Apparently alcohol is not allowed in public and he's drinking in public. It's allowed in private and, you know, hotels and that, that sort of stuff. But in public, it's not allowed. And he's the local uh, drunk or alcoholic that drinks too much. And so he's there all the time. And he's like, ah, oh, relax, calm down, you know, no big deal. And that helps calm me down. Most people are, were rather calm. I'm in the armored police vehicle being escorted uh to what what is the place where uh they take all the prisoners for their hearing like a court hearing it's a courthouse basically a dilapidated courthouse where these judges are on the bottom floor and at first they take you to the very top floor which is like i want to say three stories high and I, we get there and we get out and I have a little difficulty getting my bag through the little small door, but I managed to squeeze out, you know, handcuffed to two other people and walk up the stairs. I'm pretty tired at this point and, you know, just walking up, walking up and we go to a room. It's a good sized room and we all sit on this dirty carpeted area to the left as we walk into the room, um, which is guarded by police and yeah, a bunch of police officers there watching over everyone. And oh, oh, so as we're walking to that room, I'm everyone's just accosted, including myself, with with lawyers. Like people, are, they're all like, "Do you need a lawyer? Do you need a lawyer?" Just bombarded. I just it was like a, a haze of people, bees just swarming on you. And one guy looks at me and goes, "Don't look at anybody. Only talk to Mister." Fadi, Mr. Fadi, no one else. Look at me. He was so intense. But I like that intensity. So I'm an intense guy and I like that sort of stuff. And so from his eyes, I felt like that was a correct thing to do. And, you know, everyone still bombarded me. You need a lawyer. You need a lawyer. Here, let me help you. Let me, let me help you with this. Let me help you with that. They're all trying to sell their, their lawyer skills and, and help to you. And eventually I get to the top and I, I, uh, the guy's still there and he's looking at me intense. Don't talk to anyone. Don't talk to anyone. And I'm kind of nervous. This guy's intimidating. Big guy, you know, nice, nice belly. He's just, he's bigger than all the other guys. And, and I'm like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll try Mr. Fadi and see. And uh, Mr. Fadi walks up. He's this uh, little pudgy man with a sharp suit, uh, balding with almost like a mo type of balding and a nice sized beard like the hair went from his head to his beard and really kind eyes and i i uh i i uh kind of trusted him so he, he looked very trusting and trustworthy and so uh he goes i can be your lawyer you're gonna need a lawyer i will charge you one thousand per day and you know immediately agreeing was something I didn't do, so I didn't immediately agree to that. I'm trying to process all this stuff. My brain's a little slow. Things are just being thrown at me left and right. Like I'm like, one minute I'm at the airport, the next minute I'm in jail or wherever I am. I, I'm not even sure where I am at this point. It's like a blur, a fuzz, a, because the language, that's a big thing, was I don't speak Arabic and I hardly know knew what was going on there wasn't anyone that completely spoke english they're like little tidbits of english like here you go how are you hello like that sort of stuff so he's like one thousand per day i will be your lawyer and i was like 
you know, all right, this is Egypt. This is negotiation. So I'm going to negotiate. I'm like, 200. He's like, no, 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 600, 600. And I was like, no, 300. He's like, no, no, 500. I was like, 300. I don't have a lot of money. And he's like, okay, okay. And so I was like, all right, that was, that was a good win right there. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm 300. I don't even know if I need a lawyer, which I probably do. And he seemed like he spoke pretty decent English at the time. And yeah, he still, he did, he actually, he did. So that, that, that helped. And he was the sharpest looking lawyer there, which I liked. You know, I, I found that comforting that, that he was, she looked sharp. He was the most the best i wanted the best he had like 30 something years experience he's 55 years old he's you know nice guy i wanted the best i wanted to stack the cards in my favor that's what i like to do in life too especially this unfortunate situation i still don't even know what i was being charged with so so it's really all confusing and so i'm handcuffed and i wait to see a judge just the whole thing's a blur i'm sitting there surrounded by a group of people i'm handcuffed to one guy one guy's clicking his teeth i think coming down from drugs or something the other guy's the alcoholic who's there for drink he's a little loud kind of a loud mouth talks like hey where you from what's your name you know that sort of stuff and then there's a guy to my left they're just like leaning on me i'm kind of like huddled in there's i want to say let me count five ten fifteen of us maybe about fifteen of us and we're all like tightly in a circle and they're all smoking like chimneys so i got smoke coming in my face but i'm not going to complain i'm just you know got to put on a happy face a life's like an echo what you project or you know put out there is what you get back and i found that one of the biggest lessons while traveling so always be nice kind smile you know and you'll receive that back and that's exactly what i got back uh pretty much this whole situation and so i'm waiting there it's just kind of boring i'm afraid i'm shaking a little bit i'm trying not to shake i'm you know thinking like what the hell's going on this can't be serious because it was an it was it was an accident it wasn't it's just it just can't be serious it, it cannot i cannot go to jail for 10 years over something stupid like this it just doesn't seem possible in my mind so i'm, I'm like all right this has got to be like a slap on the wrist you know get out don't don't come back you know give up the daggers and you're good to go so you know we get there around 6 30 p.m and we wait and by the time it's my turn to see the judge. It's around 12 p.m. I'm still talking to Mr. Fad. He, he's in there with us in that room. There's lawyers. There's the police. There's there's us. And there's a there's a guy I, I really grown, grown fond of uh, that was there too. I won't I won't say their name uh, for the most part just to protect their identity. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. So Mr. Fadhi, he's. Uh, protected because he didn't really he's fine so i I, i'll I'll just use his name and maybe um not say the names of other people just you know for for that reason and um so i'm talking to him getting more information he's getting more information about me he calms me he says it's it's i'm gonna be fine he says he's seen this before there's people that came there's someone that had bullets on accident that arrived at the airport and they had the same situation there's someone that tried to bring a sword outside of uh through luxor and they got detained same thing um so i should be okay especially i had the receipt where i bought it from in lebanon and 
you know the story and how much I paid and all that stuff and so uh, about 12 p.m. it's time for me to s- oh and I apologize too if there's any outside noise I'm at the Luxor airport trying to get this on um, recorded so I don't forget as time goes by I'm gonna forget more and more of it it was like a blur especially sitting in the 8x10 cell after I see the judge wait till you get to this all right um, so 12 p.m. I get to see the judge. Oh, well, first we get got to go to one more f- uh, floor downstairs and we wait in this little area for, you know, a short time, a short time, maybe an hour. Can't really recall. I wasn't taking notes at this point. I was pretty uh, nervous. I wasn't uh, on my phone. Um, and then we go to see the judge. It's our turn to see the judge. And everyone's nervous about these judges. They, they're judges slash prosecutors. And it's, it's such a wild experience. I go and wait right outside the office of the judge and the prosecutor. And there's like a row of doors, like four on right side, four on the left side. And there's a bench. And I'm sitting on the bench with the, with the, the lawyer and talking to him. And you hear these noises like... Uh, Oh, gosh, that's that word that's hard to pronounce. Cicadas, cicadas. Oh, oh, let me think. They look like grasshopper, grasshoppers. Cicadas, cicadas. I think that's the word. But there's there are these bells, and they make those weird noises like shoo 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 shoo. I don't know how to explain. It's so eerie to hear that. And then when that bell rings, uh, they have like this looks. It's not a slave, but it looks kind of like a helper, like a helper, uh, Egyptian helper that comes to the door, walks in and gets whatever the judge needs. And so uh, that, that was pretty uh, cool to, to see and interesting to see. I don't know about cool, but um, so then uh, we're called in and everyone's really nervous. Everyone's pretty nervous and we're waiting for uh, to talk to the 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 judge and there's a few people in the room at this time there's the guy that the guys that at that from the airport one guy that um and examined the the blades and another guy's the the police that was there the secret you know undercover police that was at the airport that uh filled out all the information and then um there was a couple other people oh, one guy was the scribe so there's the judge he's a younger looking really light-skinned egyptian with glasses he looked maybe about 30 early 30s look pretty young um and then the, there's a older guy uh the thin darker skin who's writing everything you know down he, the the pale the the judge the prosecutor uh, he wrote wrote stuff down too as well but the other guy really wrote a lot down and um, then the translator came in uh, he would um, he would translate uh, everything from Arabic to English and English to Arabic and they just asked me a couple basic questions like where I got it from um, how much did I pay for it uh, did I know they were antiques. Um, uh, do I have the receipt? So I just showed him that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm nervous. I'm really nervous just sitting there and and talking to him. And, you know, everyone's kind of tense. Uh, even the lawyer, Mr. Fadi, was pretty tense in there. He gets nervous in, in there in that room. Everyone, those judges or prosecutors are well-respected. I mean, they're the difference between you getting out and free or spending your life in jail that's the diff that's how much power these guys have but come to find out they don't have absolute power they get 
um, at least in my case, I have to get okays from a judge in Cairo, so uh, or or um, some higher up from Cairo. That's like the main, you know, because it's the capital of Egypt. They have to go through them to okay everything. I they ended up. Uh, and then uh, I, I end up signing my fo- a form. I couldn't read the Arabic. Uh, my translator translated it for me, and <laughs> that was nerve-wracking. How do I know if I'm signing my life away for you know 50 years? I had no clue, but um, luckily I, I wasn't, and I didn't. And so uh, they, he took a picture, the judge, prosecutor, and they sends it to Cairo, uh, my signature or his signature or something like that. And then they wait. They wait back and forth there's a lot of waiting because they had to test the daggers they tested them twice actually by multiple people i want to say like five six people but that's from my understanding even being there i wasn't completely i didn't completely understand what was going on they said oh they always said though it wouldn't be more than a couple days a day or two a couple days was what they were telling me and i should be out i should be good should be clear because the case was good in my favor and I still don't know what these were, how much time I was facing, none of that sort of stuff. I just, uh, the, the lawyer said I had two things. One, that the, I was, had knives in general, and two, that they were old, antiques. And so those were the two things he said. But even then, the lawyer, sometimes it was hard to understand everything. And so that was done, and I went back to I he the lawyer drove me back with uh, one of the police in the car I wasn't handcuffed this time so that was nice back to the police station I slept on the bench and next to the bench was a cell and I looked through the cell and there's a guy sleeping an older gentleman sleeping on the on the, another bench and apparently that's the the Frenchman which will Frenchman will get to a little bit you know pretty soon He's been there apparently at that time, 46, uh, 43 days, I think it was, 43 days. And everyone felt sorry for him. Everyone's really nice and people just talk a lot, you know, friendly. And uh, I slept. Oh, and when I got, okay, so after I left the, uh, the prosecutor and judge, it was so nice and friendly. He said, if anyone gives you any problems, let me know and he gave me his uh whatsapp number so i had his whatsapp number i guess he knew i was a bit nervous and to contact him if anything happens he's gonna make make sure everyone's very friendly to me and and make sure uh make sure nothing happened to me and to keep my phone not give it to anyone and he also no i can't talk about that there's secrets and stuff that i can't can't we can't say <laughs> for my safety and the safety of others it's just how egypt and the legal system works and so i got to the courthouse and um they asked for my phone and i go no because i remember him saying that they wanted my phone and i i don't remember who told me or if i just knew this that the egyptian police take a lot of bribes and aren't aren't the most trusting of individuals so I didn't want to give up my phone and the boss, I guess, I go, you know, what's your name? He goes, Mamu. And I thought that was his name, but apparently that means the boss. And so I'm trying to text WhatsApp to the prosecutor, you know, you know, what's going on that they're trying to take my phone. Uh, that's Mamu. And I asked the other guy, Ahmed, Ahmed was the other guy. And um, 
you know, I wouldn't let them. So they let me end up sleeping on the bench w- with me keeping my phone. The translator's there with me, translating everything. He's nervous, smoking like a chimney. He's a funny, funny little man, and about five six with the uh, tall shoes on, um, balding, big mustache. Looks kind of looks like. Not a leprechaun, but like a genie, like an Aladdin genie. He kind of reminds me. A funny guy, a funny guy. And and uh, apparently, I got to keep my phone that night, and that would that would be the last night I was able to keep my phone um, through this whole orde- whole or- ordeal. And this was that was the end of day one on the Friday. So I slept on the bench. He goes. You know, I go, where can I sleep? And he goes, there or there, the bench or this other bench. So I picked the one bench that was kind of half secluded near the Frenchman, uh, Frenchman's cell, 8x10 cell. And I got to keep my phone. I was kind of freaked out and nervous about, paranoid about keeping my phone. I turned on, made sure I turned on the tracking so all my friends and loved ones could track me and made sure to text everyone to make sure they know where I'm at. Um, I don't know if I told him to contact the embassy, but I may have told people to uh, at that time. But the next day is when I definitely did contact the embassy. Actually, I'm trying to remember if I did. I, I don't remember. Definitely the next day. So I actually slept, uh, what I slept about 2 a.m. Everyone's exhausted. That was 2 a.m. I finally get to lay on the bench. I slept. No, that was like 4 a.m., I think. I think that was closer to like 4 3 a.m. Let me see. I have notes. I uh, can't recall, but all I know is I slept like two hours, but I slept like a baby, and I felt felt really good waking up, actually, for those solid two hours that of REM, probably REM sleep that I had. Uh, my body was like, bam, we need to sleep. We need to recover. We're making this sleep efficient, and I woke up feeling pretty good and um, got up slowly and got ready to go back to the courthouse again for day two hopefully it'll be cleared up by the second day tried to get it cleared up by the first day but the test is what you know testing the daggers to see if they're authentic or real or not was what took a long time and uh, everything took a long time because of mostly that sort of stuff you had to call experts in you had to wait from uh, cairo to okay or approve things you had to do that stuff that's what took a long time it took hours basically hours so the next day going at 8 30 same same routine i'm handcuffed put in line again but i'm handcuffed to a guy in green that looks almost like a like a military type of guy you know almost He's real nice and friendly and, you know, lets me uh, go. And I sit in the back a little bit out of the way of the of the main group in the center and um, handcuffed, walk, get to the courthouse again. Same thing, driven in the armored vehicle. Uh, like It's like five-minute drive. It's kind of cool. I could see it better in the light now. And we get there, uh, was it about 8.30, 9-ish, and instead of sitting down in the back with all the the other prisoners i sit i'm uncuffed and sat next to a table where they sell tea and coffee and next to that uh, military looking guy who ends up i think he's a security guard type of guy and so i end up sitting right there actually on like a elevated um elevated concrete platform and you know a couple police sit there lawyers sit there and then 
Yeah, so I felt kind of nice. Uh, the, the judge prosecutor told them to treat me very, very nice. And so that was good. Excuse me. Uh, and I wait there. That was a long day. Just oh, on and off. Because I had to wait there like 12 hours. And apparently the prosecutor's waiting for news from Cairo. So he was waiting too uh, for news. So it wasn't just like they were taking their sweet time. They were actually hurrying and rushing as fast as they could to get me through the system. Apparently uh, it took about two days to get me through the system. Normally it takes people four days if you're Egyptian. So it was a trip sitting there and um, watching how the whole scenes all the the stuff that unfolds i'm sitting there the security guy's name sad sad s-a-a-d or s-a-d sad he was a funny guy thin uh bald guy mostly bald uh and f- funny he goes <laughs> he goes you gay man you gay they're always like joking around i'm like no i'm not gay you know you gay man and he goes no you gay you effing gay you know just joking though joking and I just laugh because he doesn't speak a lot of English and I guess that's all he knows is funny. And the other guy, the, the guy that leads everyone from the station to, to that place, the, the courthouse, I guess, the dilapidated courthouse in a big, big room with you know, the ceiling half together and you know, the bathroom just filthy and the whole room's filthy. And he's sitting there too. He's a funny guy, the... the the leader of the police that takes us there. He's not like the police chief, but like the leader. Um, I'll call him. What should I call him? I'll call him. Um, I was going to think of an alternative name. Uh, we'll call. I don't know. We'll just call him the police guy sitting next to us. And he's joking around with me. Shake. They shake my hand. You know, um, I'll get to that a little bit later, uh, which is very interesting. So. A couple cool things, you know, happen. I, they order food, and it comes, comes in these plastic bags. And they're like these little wraps, falafel wraps, and then this other stuff called fowl, which is like these beans. I think they're lentils or beans or black-eyed peas or something smashed. And, you know, a couple french fries in the, these little uh, wraps. Not, not like a wrap, but like... Um, flatbread type of wrap thing you know you could put in the center i forget forget what exactly it's called my brain's a little slower and i've been up all night i was very excited to get out i left at 3 a.m they called me to leave for the airport for my flight at 7 30 where i am now and so those were uh, passed around and what's amazing and beautiful about um the culture here in egypt and maybe in you know the arabic culture in general is everyone shares everything you know so it's really cool but the 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 higher ups share with higher ups the lower just share with the lower so you know uh i i got you know they gave me food so i got food while i was in there they gave me the, those those wraps and it was really delicious and i was hungry and thankful for it and you know, I had, I think I had my own water and um, I went to go to the restroom as well and sent off a quick message to make sure people know where I am and, you know, everything. And because I didn't want to take out my, my phone at that time because uh, I didn't want to show, it's a very expensive phone. Most people here are very poor and can't afford this stuff. Um, so I didn't want to, and, and I didn't see people on the phone at that point, so I didn't, 
um, want to get yelled at or make people angry or jealous or whatnot. And uh, took a quick message while I was, you know, taking, you know, going to the bathroom and then came back and sat down and just waited a long time. I had my bag, so I took out my magazine that I had about ball back and went through that and <clears throat> went through that and waited some more. It was like 12 hours, all this stuff going on. And then, oh, and then the guy, the police guy, he he was joking with Saad and me and Saad was like, you gay, you gay. And, and then uh, the, the police guy was like, you gay? And I was like, no, he gay. <laughs> they just started laughing and the guy started laughing. And then, and then Saad's job, one of his jobs is to go take people to the urinal uh, to the bathroom and watch them <laughs> and, and so Saad gets up while these guys got to go to the bathroom and he takes these two prisoners to the bathroom and then I look at the police guy and I was like see he gay he gay and I put the eyes and I made it you know pointed to him and <laughs> we're laughing at him as he's in the bathroom watching the guys and <laughs> it's pretty funny um, and, and so I was like you know tell him kind of like making the reference that he likes to watch him go pee basically is what i was saying and we all we all got it and we sat there a little bit longer actually a lot longer like i said it's 12 hours in general i, I sat there saw a lot of cool things or interesting things I, I i don't know i keep saying cool but interesting in my from my eyes my perspective and uh, there's smoke just being blown everywhere i could barely see out the the window the sun which was kind of nice to see. And, oh, there's one guy who starts yelling. He's a big guy. He's one of the prisoners handcuffed, and he starts yelling. And Apparently, he's on drugs or coming off drugs, and he's feeling really bad and out of it. And, you know, they they talk to him, and they don't, like, you know, tackle him or anything. And he's... he's they, they talk him and he, he feels okay after a little bit and sits, sits back down and I see him he's not doing so good he limps not so great to the bathroom he looks like he's hurt and I feel feel bad for him and comes out of the bathroom and kind of stumbles puts his hand on my knee and you know it's alright I wanted to get up and just like give him a hug and say everything's gonna be alright man you're gonna be okay and at this point too I'm you know I'm still nervous I don't know I kind of know what's going on by this point I'm in the courthouse and I'm, I'm still I got my head still in that motivational positivity sort of stuff so I'm focusing on the positive stuff trying not to worry just trying to be in the now and the present and just like there's no way I could you know get in big trouble for what I did I didn't know what was wrong and it doesn't seem like it's a huge thing but apparently Egypt's really strict on any antiques or artifacts or knives and that sort of stuff and, and bullets and guns and that's really a big no-no uh, so I'm sitting there a little bit longer the lawyer comes back every now and then that was really the most boring part was just sitting there and, and I watch everyone but I just get bored I kind of doze off a little bit and wake up doze off wake up after 12 hours can't think of if anything else happened there's this tea guy to my left with a table and you could order tea or coffee and they have these little these little um round circle things and asked them what it meant and like the the light one meant coffee and the, the blue or red one meant like a tea there's a i think a, a definitely a chai tea and, and maybe a green tea i wasn't sure i didn't i didn't order any at that point 
and let's see oh there was also uh little snacks that were handed around uh they were like croissants and packaged croissants with the little cream filling which was really delicious i got one of those they throw me one of those all the guys even all the prisoners throw me stuff if, if i ever needed anything or was hungry they were more than helpful and more than welcome to share anything and finally uh get to go see the judge or get ready to go see the judge after about 12 hours it's uh was it 7 8 p.m maybe it's 11 hours around 8 p.m and go to the waiting seats adjacent to uh, the judge's door again once again there's like four doors on each side maybe five where all the different judges there's different judges and oh and each time you see them they're they're really cool in these suits they look pretty sharp in these suits and you know you're supposed to stand up whenever uh, they come out as a sign of respect so I made sure to follow the procedural guidelines that I saw and copy what other people did as a sign of respect and you know said hello and shook hands with everyone that you know was there and like there was <laughs> there was a point oh the before oh, real quick before i get to the judge there was one cool thing so i'm sitting there and to the right of me a guy with a machine gun has uh sitting there really sloppily uh, i know from being in the service that you want your weapon either pointed down or up most most of the time it was up i want to say it was pointed down when you're on a helicopter because all the electrical equipment was on the you know all the um that sort of stuff was on top so uh i he had his weapon his rifle i think it was ak-47 with multiple magazines taped together like two or three and it was on his side on his legs pointed at me he had a machine ak-47 machine gun pointed at me and uh, i i look and I think to myself, man, he's got to move that. One small thing, and I'm a goner. With my luck going on, Murphy, me and Murphy, Murphy's Live, whatever can go wrong, must go wrong, or whatever will go wrong, you know, can go wrong, something like that. You know, Murphy's Law is following me, uh, so I better, uh, I better tell him. Or maybe I shouldn't tell him. Maybe he'll shoot me anyway. I don't know. So I tell him and let him know in front of Even all the other inmates saw this, and, you know, they, uh, they really kind of looked amazed because I, I, I asked him to move the gun away. I did it with my hand. I didn't touch the weapon. I wasn't going to, you know, do that. But I got his attention as a and point it, you know, move it away. And he did it quickly because he knew it was wrong. I mean, that's not procedure. It's bad, you know, to do that. Even any, any military force, you know this, or you don't point your rifle at someone. Do not point at your weapon at anything you do not intend to shoot so that's one of the big big rule safety rules and all the other prisoners they saw this and they're like wow wow and that the 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 drunk the alcoholic guy he's like tapping the other guys like pointing at me like they're kind of in awe because i got this uh i got a black jacket on long pants black shoes i look kind of sharp i look decent my hair is up i have a nice beard going that I, that seemed to help my you know help my me look pretty well in front of others i look pretty sharp so in the, in the police they were wearing black top too and black pants so was, i didn't look too far away from you know too different from them so i kind of fit in a little bit and i i held myself with a calm regard and high high standard you know and you know intensity that i have and 
that was one cool story so back and then after you know sitting there like i said for 12 hours 11 hours we get to the right in front of the judge's door uh the prosecutor and he comes back in and um as he's coming to the door to go in, I make eye contact with him, smile, stand up, and I shake his hand in front of everyone, you know, uh, cordially. And everyone, like a few people kind of looked and were kind of amazed that I did it. I have no idea who these guys are, how much power they wield or anything. Apparently, these guys are like super, like super people that have a lot of power. From what I was told, these judges and the officers in the police station have power, have the most power. So. I know to try to make friends with everyone, I gotta make friends with these guys especially. But I'm a friendly guy and I make friends with everyone. I've just learned this through traveling and it makes life easier in general. You don't wanna butt heads with anyone. And I mean, what's the point? There's, there's no point, you won't. And so he goes in, comes out, comes back in. You know, I, I nod as he comes back in again. You know, I didn't go to shake his hand a, a second time. And then we go in and, you know, go in and talk to him a little longer. And at this point, like he's heard the story yesterday, the day before, he's just waiting for the confirmation from Cairo and it's coming. I go in there and I wait with him for like an hour and a half. It's just, you know, at one point it was for half an hour, it was just me and him. And he doesn't speak much English. I didn't have the translator. The translator was in and out. The lawyer was in and out. I just sat there on with him with a nice comfy couch and plugged in my, <laughs> he plugged in my uh, phone charger. So I kept my phone charged and just texting, you know, everyone to, you know, let them know how I'm doing and stuff. And, to keep everyone updated because I, I was still a bit uncomfortable that that was really uncomfortable but I forced myself he said I could stay here with him or go outside and he was really nice I, I was like I gotta stay in my head as I, like, I gotta stay here it's uncomfortable uncomfortable but the longer I'm here the more comfortable I will feel and I need to make sure I'm friends and super you know cordial with this with the with the, the guy the the judge guy and he's really friendly and nice i i got my translator out on google i started talking to him you know with on translator he started talking to me back tell me about you know his family and you know a couple things and i was like you know maybe come well, if you're ever in california call me up I'll, I'll you know show you around and he's like if you ever need anything in egypt just let me know it's just it's really sweet sweet guy individual and you know i just I don't know got along really well and and yeah and a couple other things can't can't talk about or mention talk to you know about that sort of stuff and uh and you know after that it was time uh the, oh he got the call and you know uh, called in the translator and the the lawyer mr fadi mr fadi he, he didn't do too much he did a, enough he did a a lot to fight for uh for me and talk to me on my behalf so he knew the system really well he's really good to have i don't regret at all having him i think from what the translator said i needed a lawyer anyway uh they they had me uh offered to call in someone from the embassy to represent me but I thought I was okay, so I didn't do it. I didn't want to waste. I, I might take days. I don't know how long that would have taken. I wanted to get it over with as soon as possible. And I asked him, you know, point blank, am I going to jail? And they said, uh, I think he said no. He said no. He said, everything looked good. Uh, you're going to be able to leave as soon as we get this closed and, and done. And just needed confirmation from Cairo, from the higher-ups, because he didn't have the final word. The final word came from Cairo. So this is, we're all in his office. There's only uh, a few people, a few of us in there. And 
oh when sometimes people would walk in and out and you know that might be a official or something I, I made sure to shake everyone's hand reached out cordially you know like i was saying earlier and shook everyone's hand people love that and i, I love it too people like to be recognized and you know we all love that and uh, I, got, I got tea served to me there they love serving tea here in um i don't even know what country i am <laughs> what country am i in i'm headed to kuwait from Oh, the biggest brain fart right now. Oh, Luxor, Luxor, brain freeze. Luxor, I'm in Egypt. That's what country I'm in. Um, this is what I get from being up uh, all night and uh, getting to the airport really excited. Flight leaves hour 20 minutes to Kuwait. I think uh, probably pretty soon I'm going to finish this up. This is part one. We're going to be part two. And it gets even, uh, gets interesting too. The second part, you're going to love this. Uh, love this or find it intriguing. I don't know, one or the other. Uh, so um, I shake everyone's hand to make sure, you know, and greet everyone. I go eye to eye, man to man, face to face, you know, N nothing intimidating, just, you know, respect, respect everyone, respect it. You don't know who you're talking with, who they could be. You know, I don't even know if it could have been the president. I wouldn't have known. I don't know who the president of Egypt is. And so I made sure just to show a huge amount of respect and cordial cordiality. And they loved it because it's part of their culture and that's just what they love and do and so that i think that helped a lot too and at one point you know i remember i remember the judge asked you know if i wanted to get rid of the daggers or keep them i was like quickly i was like get rid of them they're too much trouble i don't want them the translator quickly translated he's like yeah that was good you said that that helps a lot and i was like it's the truth i don't want them it's so much trouble and so everything got sorted out that night with the the prosecutor and um he says you're good you're uh, just have to clear up some stuff at the police station to finalize everything and then i'll be free and the lawyer helps me from that point after that he doesn't help uh he doesn't know doesn't deal with the police that's a, like a different there's two different levels here there's the like the judicial legal like judicial branch judge part and then there's the police part so there's like two different uh, issues i have to get settled and that is settled by the u.s embassy that calls the police station and sends them the documents or whatever they need everyone always needs documents and communications what what slows everything down and so after I finish, I'm really happy. Everyone's excited. We're happy. I, I have to pay the lawyer and the translator for their services, which, which I was happy to do because it turned out really well and is a, a great ending. And, you know, I get to go home. I was, I was so happy. And, you know, I left, left the courthouse. Uh, everyone was just, you know, happy, excited, and drove to the, the police station. And um, I had to wait at the police station for quite a while and I didn't know it would be uh, a number of days that I would be at the police station in an 8 by 10 cell um, and as soon as I got to the police station they said give up your phone and I thought about it I thought about it should I try to not give up my phone and I did a quick send of a message to call the US Embassy quick ASAP to some loved ones and friends and family and, and um, made the quick decision. So leaders, you know, good successful leaders make decisions quick, change slow. Poor leaders make decisions slow and change quick. So I made the quick decision to trust everyone. There's no use fighting it and turn off my phone. I handed in my phone 
they led me back towards that bench I slept on the first night towards the cell and in the cell 8 by 10 cell was the Frenchman and that is where they put me and that is where I stood and stayed for the next six days uh, stay tuned for the next podcast when I go more in depth on what it's like to stay in an 8 by 10 cell for six days without um, there's no uh, blankets there's no running water there's no toilets there's no there's just a floor um, luckily I got a sleeping bag cover to, to lay on by the Frenchman who had an extra one my two bags luckily I still had my two bags one for my feet one for my head and I went to sleep with as I looked to the right and left of me were lots and lots of cockroaches and that was my home for the next six days next day was Monday and I was hoping to leave really excited to talk to the embassy because they needed to confirm everything and that was Friday no that was a Sunday that was a Sunday and there was no news all day but I'll start off on Sunday on the next episode of the Super Travel Experience podcast stay tuned as I go more in depth more in detail what it's like the normal routine uh, what it's like at the police station because that room where I was at was at the entrance to the police station there's people coming in all night there's banging sounds there's you name it there's people getting hit people yelling smoke everywhere uh people coming off drugs out of there like hashish they're talking about all sorts of wild stuff that i'll I'll get more in depth and talk about in the more episode and we'll learn more about who this mysterious frenchman is and why he's there with me in the cell uh what did he do where did he come from what's his story and you know 70 year old frenchman staying in the cell next to me so that's it guys thanks for listening i hope uh hope it was somewhat interesting it was just a quick recount of of the story i'm hoping to you know make sure i don't forget what happened and uh um looks like they're lining up for security i should go pretty soon since i leave in an hour 15 uh thanks for listening if you like the show please uh, check out my travel store super travel x www.supertravelx.com i find all sorts of cool travel accessories and gear and and all sorts of cool stuff use super 10 for 10 percent off thanks for listening and this has been another edition of super travel experience podcast live from the luxor airport i am free i am free and i cannot wait to go okay all right my turn to go all right guys Thanks for listening. Take care.